The shir tonight is L'zeich Nishmas, my brother Yehuda Frankel, Moshe Yehuda Ben Merlio Yibad Chaim Tovim. Something my brother felt very, very strongly was, uh, was tefillah, that even before he got sick, it was something he took very seriously, very mockingly against the shul, not just on time, but well before davening, so they have time to prepare and to start davening in order to be able to finish by the time the, the, the tzibur finished. Um, it really, even though he was very, very easygoing, it really bothered him a lot when people would talk during davening or people would, would be distracted during davening, doing other things during davening. Tila is something very important. He really felt he was having a conversation with Akadosh Baruch Hu, and certainly after he got sick, it was something that, that really um, kind of help, helped him stay strong throughout his, his ordeal. Um, so we thought the, the family, um, my, my parents and siblings uh, are here, um, and, and uh, together we thought it would be uh, a worthwhile class for the Neshama to have a, a sheer about tefillah. And we're very excited to have uh, Rav Davidal here to, to address it tonight and hopefully inspire us with some words uh, about tefillah. One of the scariest things to do when you get up to start speaking, I checked, it's a good thing I'm using my phone to record, is you're always worried that the ways that you were using to get you here is going to say you have arrived, that your destination in the middle of the shear. Which is why I'm not good to record my own shear, so that doesn't happen. As I was shutting it off, literally just now as I was putting my stuff together, I was shutting it off, I thought that it's a fitting way to begin the the shir this evening. We just had the big schos of having Rav Mendel Blachman. Rav Mendel Blachman uh, is one of the... He was a Rosh Hashibah of sorts in KBY for, for many years, teaching KBY for over 40 years, and he was in uh, Shkunat Ramot, where I live, for Shabbos. And when he got up to speak, so he said, you know, when a person, he said a Yiddish expression, when a person stands, so they stand and speak, but when they sit, they learn. You sit and learn. You stand and speak and you sit and learn. So I was hoping to be able to sit, but I'm not going to be able to sit. And I had the misfortune over Shabbos of saying over a shir. On Friday night, we have a chabura locally. And I had the misfortune of saying shir in front of Rav Blachman, uh, which felt the entire time like I had a, you know, a 12 gauge against my head every second, the whole thing. And, uh, you know, mechayel el to go from one Rebbe to another Rebbe to say shir in front of Weidenstein. Tasnisht. Uh, and um, and some very close Talmudim here, me Talmida Yosemikulam, say shir in front of a Talmud is also a very hard thing to do. But I want to begin with uh, with a teaching from Maseches Ways. There are two Mahalchim in in Ways, and we're going to come back to this later. Ways was Mechavin to a teaching from the Sefer Lekutei Halachas from Rav Nassim, Rav Nassim, the primary student of Rav Nachman. That Rav Nassim and Rav Nachman explain that there are really two klipos in the world. There are two primary husks that get in the way of us fulfilling what we're trying to do in the world. There's a klipa that's called the klipa. These are the two Roshe Prakim of, of everything that we're struggling with. 
One of them is called the Klippa of Amalek, and the other one is called the Klippa of Yishmael. These are the two Roshe Klippos that we have in the world. I'm not talking about uh, any particular nation. We're talking about something here right now. We're talking about something that's in here. There's a Klippa that's called Amalek, and there's a Klippa that's called Yishmael. The Klippa of Yishmael, for now, and we'll talk more about this soon, is what we find in Mesechah's ways, you have reached your destination. That is to say that the Klippa of Amalek is, you don't need to do anything further, you've already arrived. Rest. Bikish Yaakov Leishev Bashalva. You could sit, you've reached, you've done what you need to do. You've done Mila, you don't need to do Priya. You've done Mila, you don't need to do Priya. You're, you finished, you did the Avod already. There's no further revelation that you need to do, there's no further work that you need to do. And the Klippa of Amalek is rerouting. You made that, that, that noise that it makes. It doesn't even have a name for it, it's just the sound. When you know that you missed the turn and it makes that like, that little sound and then all the blue things reroute themselves automatically. Sometimes if you're driving up north, you can get into a lot of trouble. You know, you look out your right window and your kids are like, is that Disneyland? You're like, that big tall building with the, you know, with the thing on top, that's not Disneyland, that's, uh, that's something else. And that klipa of rerouting is the klipa, that, that feeling that you feel when it's like, you know, 35 minutes to your destination, and then you miss some turn or something happens, the traffic pattern changes in some way. And all of a sudden, it's like another 20 minutes to the journey and then another 20 minutes to the journey. And it's the feeling, not of you've reached your destination, but I'll never reach my destination. It's the feeling of no matter what I do, no matter how much I try to break through, the klipa of Amalek is the, is the klipa of, even if you've done it 100 times, you'll never get to the 101st time. Amal kuf for the Darshir Shumos in the crowd. Amalek is this thing of, you, you've already learned the Suya a hundred times. The Gemara says, if you learn a hundred and one times, that's, you'll never get to that hundred and first time, whatever that means, the hundred and first time. You'll never be able to actually get there. You could learn it and you could do it and you could, you could try to fake it till you make it, but you're never going to make it. It's just constantly faking it. And the journey will never actually uh, amount to that moment where you could say, I've arrived. Now, it's a stiromine obey, right? Because... If, if we're calling Amalek a klipa that I'll never arrive, then, then Yishmael is not a klipa anymore because Yishmael is, I have arrived. And if Yishmael is this Indian of you've arrived, you don't need to go further, then... So the truth is they're both, they're both kind of correct and there's a flip side to each of them, which is holy. And tefillah, tefillah in reality is the meeting place of these two klipos. It's the, it's the place of war. It's where in certainly in Sifre Pneumius, but even in, in Poskim, you find that, even though it's not so common, but the Indian of, of, of girding oneself with some sort of belt, of putting on a gartel for tefillah, is an act of preparing oneself for war. And it's the place of war of trying to clarify and to mavire that place, the space of, in tefillah we feel this the most, Either I don't want to daven because I feel like it's already taken care of. Chaz de Hashem. I'm engaged, but I didn't get married yet. And so it's, it's, in, it's in the, you know, I'm, I'm expecting the child. I've had the child. I already brought the child to the chuppah. Each of these tachanot, 
represents a different stage of I've arrived already. I don't need to do any more davening because it, it happened already. My relationship's pretty good with my spouse, so I don't need to be working on that more. Tefillah is the place where I sit in that very somewhat uncomfortable place of war where that's one side of the coin and the other side is I, I need to be doing so much more. I need to be doing so much more. And in our relationship with the Rabboni Shalom, tefillah is this attempt to be wrestling with Hashem. Chodesh Adar, it's complicated when it's a double Adar. I'm not going to get into that right now. But each of the months of the year corresponds to a different shevet. According to the Arizal, the month of Adar corresponds to Naftali. Naftali is this Indian of struggling. Naftali's very name comes from the Shalom, from the same Shorosh of Tefillah. It means to struggle, it means to, to battle with this very almost paradoxical feeling that I'm, I'm never quite doing enough. And at the same time, I've already, I've done so much and I don't really need to do anything more. Just to make it personal here for one more second, then we'll, we'll begin, we'll, we'll start learning. I'm standing, I need to sit, to zitzen and learn in like Rav Blachenstein. In my own life, I find that uh, sometimes, you know, it depends where I am and how much time I had to uh, groom myself before, sometimes my payas are up and sometimes my payas are down. So I find that when my payas are up, I'm not supposed to start with like a meal a bit, you know, a little bit batchanos, uh, it's not the minute. So when, I, when, I, when my payas are up, I always, people come over to me, you're Chabad, you're, you must be Chabad, you're Chabad, you know? And when the payas are down, so Breslov, I was even, I was on to walking in the street in Yerushalayim, in the old city, in the old city of Yerushalayim, and I was walking down the street, the kotel, down, down to the Kotel, and there was a fellow who was coming up, and he goes, he says to me, he says, he says, hey Nachman, you have a cell phone? And that's what he said to me, hey Nachman, because my pace were down, and then Nachman, you have a cell phone? If they would have been up, he would have said Menachem Mendel, probably. <laughs> These two uh, pieces of my heart, and there are many others, but these are, these are, you know, these are big, big chunks of my heart. <coughs> Lubavitcher Rebbe was famous for, Lubavitcher Rebbe was famous for, I'm 80 years old, I'm opening 80, you know, Torah institutions this year. You know, 20 mikvos, 20 chadarim, you know, 20 shuls and uh, 20 places where some yid can go get kugel, like on the side of the highway if he's stuck. And Reb Nachman Although Reb Nachman was also very demanding, and Lubavitch Rebbe also gave chizik to people that they were okay. Reb Nachman is very much about understand the quality of what you're doing right now. Don't be Mosef, another parak of Tehillim. Don't add more, but just do what you're doing. What you're doing is enough. Just you do, it, do it the way that you need to do. And so these two kind of polar opposites, in some way, sit at the heart of this experience for me personally. And so from that place, because that's the only way that I know how to teach Torah, from that very personal place of trying to find the proper balance between always doubting oneself and saying, have you ever once in your life, that voice of Amalek, have you ever once in your life really been Mekabal Omal Chushamayim? Have you really once in your life ever really davened Hashem? And that other voice, which is, you know, you're doing, you're doing okay, like you're, do, you're davening three times a day, Kashrus, you know, Tarsim uh, Shpacha, giving tzedakah, lefi, or yecholes, and like, you're doing everything you need to do. And that voice of saying, oh, that's, not, that's not exactly correct. You know, let's replay the videotape. That's not exactly 100% correct. Each of those things has what to work on. 
Okay. So let's begin with the Kasha. I assume that in this shul, like most shuls, we began welcoming in Chodesh Adar. The Gemara tells us in Masechus Tanis. Amr of Yehuda, B'Reidr of Shmuel Bar Shilas, Mishmei Rav. The Gemara says in the name of Rav. Rav Shmuel Bar Shilas, and before that of Yehuda, B'Reidr of Rav. Mishinichnas Adar Marbim B'Simcha. Mishinichnas Av Mematim B'Simcha. Not this Gemara. So the Gemara cites an interesting name from her papa, which I think is the Pesach to maybe some Havana about the whole Indian of Adar, the whole Indian of Purim, and to be mechazik, all of us, in how to navigate this place of the Klippa of Amalek and Yishmael as it relates to our tefillah, and really tefillah is just, tefillah is v'ani tefillah. Everything that a Jew is doing in the world is, a, is some level of tefillah. Amr of Papa, Hilkach bar Yisrael di isle dina bahadei nachri. A person has some sort of court case with a non-Jew. So they should try to push it off, says the Gemara. Push it off if it's in Av, de roi mazle. Don't do it in Av. Mishamate that court case to the best of your ability. I once had such a thing. I, it was a slight uh, fender bender that I had with an Arab fellow in, uh, in Talpiot. And I get the thing, I get the, you know, the petek from the, from the court case, the ninth of Av. I was like, you know, I had 12, you know, 12 years of, uh, of Jewish education. Like, I don't think I even needed that to know that, like, you don't want to have a court case. So I asked, I said, you know, if it's possible, I'm going to be fasting. And are you crazy? Like, what? <laughs> Can we push this off, you know? Halachal Maisa. Has Makayim that name in the Gemara? What should you do? Vilimtse nafshe ba'adar debariyu mazle. So what you do, you should, save, you should save your soul. You should try to save your soul and push it off until adar debariyu mazle. Limtse nafshe ba'adar debariyu mazle. Push it off till adar because in adar... There's good mazel. There's a healthy, bar, like a bari. There's a healthy mazel in Adar. Now, the Rishonim are bothered. The Rishonim are bothered. The Ritva is bothered. The Rashba in Shuvos is bothered. The Ritva is in Tanis. The Rashba is in Kufmen Ches. In the first Chelek in Shaz Shuvos the Rashba. They're bothered because there's a very clear Gemara in Masech Shabbos. And Daf Kuf Nun Vav. The Gemara in Shabbos in Daf Kuf Nun Vav tells us how do we know the Amr of Yochan Minoyin She'ein Mazel Yisrael. How do you know that there's no such thing as Mazel for the Jewish people? The Jewish people are not bound by Mazel. Jewish people are not bound by Mazel. So the Gemara here quotes from Rav Yochanan Ein Mazel Yisrael, which is really the opinion of several others as well. Rav Yochanan, Azdar Rav Yochanan the Tamei, the Amr Rav Yochanan, Minoyin Shein Mazli Yisrael Shenemar, Komar Shem, and it quotes a few Psukim. In addition to the Pasuk, Amr Rav Minoyin, this same Rav, who had this Indian of Bari Mazel the Adar, Rav says, Vayotza Sa'chutza, Vayotza Sa'chutza, that Hashem took Avna Vinu outside. And everybody remembers from Perish Rashi, 
What does it mean he took him outside? So it comes along the Gemara and Darshans that HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to Avin Avinu, after Avin complained, Ani holi chariri, I have no one to, who's going to be able to be Yorishmi? Hashem took him outside, it means that Hashem took him outside of his itztagnunios. Hashem took him outside of his astrological fate. Whatever was planned for Avram Avinu from the moment that he was born, no longer subject to that. He took him outside. It means he took him outside of what was expected for him in his whole life. And from here, we learn, Ein Mazal Yisrael. So the Rishonim Arbazer, the Ritva asks, how could it be Ein Mazal Yisrael? And yet, the Gemara is telling me, Halacha, brought down in the Shulchan Aruch, that if a person has a court case in Av, you should push it off, because Roya Mazli, it's a bad Mazel. And not only that, but if it's an Adar, Adar Abba, Adar Milashan, Adar Abba, do it, go have the court case, and it's going to be great, because Borya Mazli, because the Mazel is very strong. Nehechi says that the Jewish people are subject to Mazel Bechlal. So the Ritva gives two answers which are really very much connected to each other, very much, almost like one answer. Just very quickly. <coughs> Gemara says, Ein beis medrash below chiddush. So I'm going to say the Ritva and then I'll say the Rashba very quickly and then I'm going to try to say something, chutzpah, to, to say something, but that's Ein beis medrash below chiddush. I have no choice. So the Ritva says that the explanation is that in a chanami, Ein mazal Yisrael, that's true. Ein mazal Yisrael, except for these two these two chadashim, Av and Adar, have mazel. And it's a gezerah min hashamayim, that Hashem was gozer, that there should be mazel in these months. In other words, in Achanami, Hashem is gozer, mishomer l'shem v'yadlik, Hashem said that there's no mazel for the Jewish people. It's the same Hashem who said that in this time of difficulty, and this time of great salvation, there should be mazel. The Ritva says, or you could say that the Gemara doesn't even mean Mazel Bechlal, but it's just referring to, it's a very subtle difference between these two answers, I don't have time to go into this right now. But the second possibility, says the Ritva, is that there is no Mazel, it's true, there's no Mazel for the Jewish people, Nikuda. Twelve months of the year, no Mazel for the Jewish people. But there is, there is a Gzeira in these months, that it's a difficult time for the Jewish people. It's not mazel. It's coming directly from Hashem. There's no mazel. There's no mazalos. There's no intermediaries. It's not stars. Hashem was goes there that it's a difficult time. And this is just kid amri inshi. This is the way people talk. People speak of difficult kufos of time, which are not b'mikra, which is completely coming from Hashem. It's not coming from mazel. Hashem decided this is, this is the gezeira in this time. This is Hashem's on in this time. And a mazel Yisrael, kipshuto, but the word mazel doesn't mean mazel here. It's just the way people talk. And he doesn't have good mazel. It means that like Hashem was goes or something bad against him. Mazel, nothing to do with mazel. That's the Ritzvah's Mahalach. Rashba, in the Chuvos, Kuf Memches, suggests that a mazel Yisrael klal and bar yamazle prat. Meaning to say that a mazel Yisrael is a principle that is true for the Jewish people. Jewish people are not subject to mazel. Netzach Yisrael The Jewish people are an infinite nation which is not subject to mazel. Hakadosh Baruch Hu, in terms of Klal Yisrael, has a hashkacha protest over Klal Yisrael, which is unfaltering, which is not subject to the mazalos. However, you as an individual person have to make sure, or as I once heard from uh, from somebody, ain mazel Yisrael aval yesh mazel le. 
But that overarching theme of Ein Mazel Yisrael is not subject, is not, is not, I'm not subjected to that. I'm not in, in Av, and I'm not, uh, I don't have access to that in a positive way in Adar. One last possibility to explain, which I didn't see in any Rishonim. I'm going to suggest that what I'm going to try to suggest tonight as a Chiddush is not a Chiddush, it's in Rashi. But one other possibility, which I didn't see in Rishonim, and so therefore we can throw it out, is that there's a machlokas in the Gemara there. There's a machlokas between Rabbi Chanina and Rabbi Yochanan, whether there's, yes, mazel or no mazel. And so maybe the Gemara in Tainus is Aliba to Rabbi Chanina, that there is mazel bistro. We'll put that aside for now because I didn't see any Rishonim. Okay. So in order to answer this question, which I think is a wonderful question, how do we resolve this? You may think that it's resolved already, but that's the Klippa of Yishmael. It's not resolved. There's more to do. And, 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 the, and the, the nervousness that I have, will I be able to say this properly and, and say it in such a way that it'll be clear is the Klippa of Amalek telling me you're never going to be able to say this clearly. But we'll try and we'll ask Hashem for help. Amen. Sometimes, like a, like a good Jewish person, you have to answer a question with a question. So ask a question based on the Gemara and Megillah. Interesting, uh, interesting question. Mila delegata. I consider that that question we just asked is a, is a serious halachic question, by the way. The Gemara and Megillah, first Masech I ever was Zochet Messiah. My father sat patiently with me in the Philadelphia Yeshiva on Thursday nights. And we were Messiah Masech and Megillah. So the Gemara and Megillah <laughs> discusses the origin story of, uh, of Mordechai. And in trying to tell us who he was, Ish Yehudi Hayab Shushan Abira, Dafir Bez Mad Bez, Ish Yamini. He was an Ish Yamini, he was from Binyamin. So the Gemara asks the Kasha, Micah Omar, why are you telling me he's Ish Yamini? Ili Yechusa, if you're trying to tell me he's Yichus, so then you only gave me three people. You didn't take me all the way back to Adam Arishon, you certainly didn't take me back to. Binyamin, which would have been good enough, and then I would have been able to work my way back using the Torah. But if you're trying to give me his yichus, so you should have gone all the way back ad Binyamin. Elamayshna, what is it teaching us? It comes to teach us that all of these people that Mordechai is named after, Ben Yar, Ben Shimi, Ben Kish, each of these ancestors of Mordechai correspond to a different facet of what Mordechai brought to the Jewish people. This Nechama that Mordechai brought to the Jewish people. Ben Yair, why is he called Ben Yair? Sheheir Eneim Shal Yisrael. He illuminated the eyes of the Jewish people with this nace of Purim, with the salvation of Purim. Sheheir Eneim Shal Yisrael B'Tfilasim. Ben Shimi, Ben Sheshama El Tfilasim. A son who his Tfilah was heard on high. Ben Kish, Shehikish al Dalse Shemayim. 
that he was banging. Kish, Shalashan of banging. He was banging on the Dalsi Shamayim, and they opened for him. And so therefore, we're told that his name is Ben Yar Ben Shemi Ben Kish. So here as well, again, I must admit, the Shemi Shmuel asks this question. The Shemi Shmuel says, what kind of drasha is this? Ben Yar Ben Shemi Ben Kish. How do things normally work? Mordechai is Ben Yar, that means his Abba is Yair. Ben Shimi, Ben Kish. <coughs> so, Ben Yair, Sheheir Neim Shal Yisrael. Sheheir Neim Shal Yisrael is the end of what happened. That's like the last thing. Hashem made the miracle. And he was Meir Neim Shal Yisrael. That's the Shemish Shemuel after the inside. Shemish Shemuel says, Meir Neim Shal Yisrael. Why, why were the eyes of the Jewish people illuminated? Because Shamal Tfilaso, because they answered his Tfila in Shamayim. And why did the answer is tefillah? Because he was makish al dalse shamayim. Because he was bang. It's, out of, it's completely backwards. Completely backwards. So I didn't understand the kasha, the chlal, because it's exactly in order. Because first, ben, ben shimi, right? It's, it's out of order in terms of ben yari, ben shimi, ben kish. But ben kish is his great great grandfather. So that's first. First, he was makish al dalse shamayim. That's my that's my psha. That's my psha. He was he was knocking on the dalse shamayim, and then afterwards. They listened to his tefillah. And then the Yeshua came. And that's why it's Kish, gave birth to Shimi, gave birth to Yair, gave birth to Mordechai, which is this, this Nakuda. The Shemi Shmuel is not happy with that answer. And so neither are we. So I'd like to offer a possible answer. And I think this is the beginning of trying to develop the sugya. There's a letter from Rav Hutner, which is also found in the Pachet Yitzchak in, in, in uh, Pesach. Rav Hutner is trying to describe, he's trying to understand a certain Pesach in Tehillim. He's trying to understand the Pesach in Tehillim. And with this, I think we could begin to understand what tefillah really is. At least as it is to me right now in this moment. Pesach says, we're all familiar from, from the Halal, Ahavti ki yishma Hashem is kol Hashem has heard my voice. Ahavti, I love you Hashem so much, and I feel loved. For he has inclined his ear towards me. Hashem has heard my tefillah. That is to say, he, he, he acquiesced to my request. The Pasuk says, He has tilted his ear towards me. And here, as the Shem Yishmuel asks in a totally different context, Rav Hutner is bothered by the seemingly backwards order of the Pasuk. I, I love you, Hashem, because you fulfilled my request. You listened and acquiesced to my tachanunim. You tilted your ear towards me. Well, which one happened first? Hashem first tilted the ear. He heard the request. And then he acquiesced to the request. So if Hutner says the mistake, this is in Pachritz of Pesach, Maimur Yudalit, for those who are writing down the course. In my family, we often joke that we're sorcerers. Like, sor- like S-O-U-R, sorcerers. So... Maybe there's a fellow sorcerer in here. So Rav Hutner said that we make a terrible mistake about tefillah. And therefore, this Pasuk seems out of order to us. The mistake that we make about tefillah is that we, we tend to think that a good tefillah is a tefillah that was answered. That's, that's a good tefillah to us. We'd like that our tefillahs be answered. And 
the pasuk here that tells me the order is not an order of cause and effect. If it was cause and effect, it would be, you, I love you, Hashem, because you tilt your ear towards me and you acquiesce to my tachnunim. It's not about cause and effect. But it's about what the real goal of tefillah is all about. I love you, Hashem, because you answered my tefillah. And now that you've answered my tefillah and I'm able to hold that baby in my hands, now that you've answered my tefillah and I got the job, I had the refu shalema. So now it became clear to me, which was the whole tachlis of my tefillah the whole time, that you were listening all along. The goal of tefillah is to know, or, or the hope of tefillah, is to know, and what plagues us about tefillah is, is there somebody listening on the other hand? If I knew for sure that Hashem said no, but trust me, I heard your tefillah and I love your tefillah. I'm holding on to your tefillah. I love your tefillah. I, I, know, I, I, I appreciate your tefillah. And you're not going to get what you asked for, but I promise you I listened, and I promise you I took it into account, and I'm going to give you something so much better than what you could ever imagine in a very, very, very far away way. because you listened to my tefillah, and that was a proof that you were listening. You acquiesced to my tefillah, and that's a proof that you were listening. That's what a Jew really wants in the world, to know that Hashem is listening. And that's exactly what a Malik wants us not to feel. It's true, we spoke, we started in the beginning about Esau and Amalek, but I want to speak for a few minutes before we wrap around to answer the question from the Shem Yishmuel and to answer the question in the beginning, just for a moment, to look at the, let's take a, a look at history and to recognize that Batika Talia Milsa, this entire episode that's taking place every time we open up the sitter and try to daven, and what happens in the Purim story is really Batika Talia Milsa, this is an old story. An old story between the Jewish people and Amalek. In fact, and with this, we'll, we'll really, really begin. I haven't even started yet. I don't know how much time I have. <laughs> 15 minutes. Going back to the Gemara again, you know, there's a series on Dafir Aleph. There's a series of, of Gemaras there that try to figure out what's like the, what's the Nakuda HaEmtza'i of the Purim story? What's like the real meat of the Purim story? The Maral explains each of these memras of Dafir Aleph begins with a different Amora saying, Pasach lai mehai Pasach. He would, he would Pasach from this place. The Maral says that each of these psichos, which seem to be from a random place throughout, somewhere in, in Tanakh, which has, on the surface of it, is, is, is out of left field, these psichos, a Pesach means that this is the, this Pasach, is not just the Pesach, but this is, there's a door that's locked. We're trying to figure out what is Purim? What is this holiday of Purim? What is this thing called Megillus Esther? You want to know what Megillus Esther is? Here's the key for Megillus Esther. Pasach mehai kra means here's the mafteach. Here's the key to opening up this entire sugya. So Rav Masna, Rav Masna says, he was Pasach lapischa lahai parsha samihacha. Ki mi goi gadol asher lo elokim krov me love. Who is great like the nation of the Jewish people that whenever we call out to Hashem, Krov may love, he's close to us. That means to say that the whole Indian, now you could argue that I cherry-picked that out of, there's a whole list of psychos of psukim. However, I was prepared for that. The Rambam in the Minyan HaMitzvot, when he talks about the mitzvah of Megillah, quotes this pasuk. The Rambam paskin like Rav Masna. That this is the mafteach to opening up Purim. The whole Indian of understanding what Purim is, 
is to recognize that Purim gave us the confidence to know that Hashem is listening. It's what Rabbi Nachman refers to as firstborn prayers. A firstborn tefillah. I remember when I was 15 years old, I had my firstborn tefillah. My firstborn tefillah. I was 15 years old. We had just moved from Philadelphia to Teaneck. We were renting a house to see if we liked it before we purchased the house there. My parents. We, meaning my parents. And um, it was right before Pesach. I won't give you any more details than that. It was very late at night. I was 15 years old. Uh, I don't believe... I hope it's not impermissible to say such a thing. I don't believe at that time I was davening three times a day. I was davening whatever they did in shul. You know, if I happened to go with my father in the shul, I davened. But I wasn't, I wasn't like, did I daven yet today? And I was 15 years old, and I realized I hadn't davened Marv. I realized I hadn't davened Marv. And it was right before Pesach, and there was some nakuda that was weighing heavy on my heart. And I davened like a tefillah, like I never, it was like the first time I ever davened. You know, like my parents were sleeping, everyone was sleeping. And I davened like the first time I was... And over the course of that next few days, what I davened for, I felt he listened to my, to my tefillah. That's called a firstborn tefillah, Rabbi Nachman says. That's called a firstborn tefillah. A malik is doing everything that they can to make us think, and that's why this is the mafteach, the whole story. The whole story of Purim is over and over again. A malik, Haman a malik saying, this tefillah thing is not going to work out. For those of you who are reading the Megillah, I'm not going to go through all the Pesukim now, but I challenge you to read the Targum on the Megillah this year as you're preparing for it. Just read the straight Targum. Every single place where you could ever think there would be at Ahasuerus' party, the entire time, Mordechai Nesu, he's just injecting words that are not there, the Targum, that he was sitting and he was, he was, he was davening. Mordechai was davening. It says Mordechai returns to the, to the gate. He returns to the gate to daven. Everything he's adding in tzlusa, 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 he's davening. Everything is with tefillah. And Amalek comes to try to say that there is no, this is not happening. No matter how many times you daven, it's another 20 minutes to the journey. Another 20 minutes to the journey. We're rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. It's never going to happen. 70 years already passed. Hashem's not redeeming you. The Bisa Mikdash, we're using the kalim for parties. Just give it up. And like I said before, this whole thing goes back to a very, very ancient story between us and Amalek. In Perakid Zion of Shmos, Parshat B'Shalach, the end, our first encounter with Amalek. So we know that Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu raises his hands in tefillah. And the Pasuk says that Moshe Rabbeinu's hands, Listen to these words of Rashi. Rashi says, It was that koach of Moshe Rabbeinu raising his hands in tefillah against the koach of Amalek, Adbo Hashemesh. What's Adbo Hashemesh? Rashi explains. Adbo Hashemesh, Shu Amalekim Machshivim Esashos Bitstrologia. They were using astrology to try to be machshiv the shows. When can we attack the Jewish people? When are we going to drop that surprise attack in the middle of the night? And when are we going to dispatch the troops in this direction? Using itzrologia. It was the koach of a lottery, of fate, of astrology, 
against the Koch of Tefillah. Kipshuta. And if you think that Amalek's goal here was to destroy the Jewish people, I'll prove to you that it wasn't. The goal wasn't to destroy the Jewish people, it was to beat the Jewish people and to prove to them that astrology is more powerful than tefillah. It's to prove to the Jewish people once and for all, Hashem's not listening. You could daven and daven and daven, Hashem's so big. I think he has time for you. The Ishbitzer explains based on the Gemara. The Gemara says, Amalek is called Yisrael Mumur. Yisrael Mumur. Because they're so firm, they say, Hashem is so big, you think he has time for you? Hashem is so, you think you believe in God? We believe in God. God is so big, he has no time for you. All there is is fate. There's astrology. The Ishbitzer at the end of Parshish Mashalach. I'll prove to you that this is what Amalek was trying to do. Later, in Bamidbar, we meet up with Amalek again, except this time, they tried a different tactic. Aaron Cohen just died. Aaron Cohen dies, and this Melech Arad, Yoshev Hanegev, the Kenanim, comes and attacks the Jewish people. So Rashi writes over here that the Kenanim don't live in the Negev. Who lives in the Negev? Amalek lives in the Negev. So Rashi cites, perhaps we learned this when we were kids in school, that Amalek came to attack the Jewish people. They dressed up like Kenanim, but it's easier to put on a costume, as we're all about to find out in about two weeks' time. It's easier to put on a costume than to learn a language. You know, they didn't have Rosetta Stone then or whatever people used to learn a language. So they didn't have time to learn a language, so they, they put on costumes like Kenanim. They put on whatever the Kenanim looked like. And they were still speaking their language to communicate. And the Jewish people were very confused. And we're very confused. Why are they doing this? What's happening? So Rashi says, because... Amalek was hoping that the Jewish people would cry out, Rabboni Shalom, save us from the Kananim. Ve'inenum Kananim, but they weren't Kananim. And then the Jewish people came to war and they saw the Kananim and they thought they were fighting against the Kananim and they were getting ready to daven, get the children together, Erev Shabbos, you know, everyone in their Shabbos clothing, let's go say some Prokim of Tehillim. And all of a sudden they hear the sounds of people speaking Amaleki. And they say, it doesn't make sense. They're dressed like Canaan they're speaking. I'm like, we don't know what to do. Let's just daven stop. Let's just daven stop. And they were able to defeat Amalek because they daven stop. They didn't allow the bilbulim of, you don't know what to do now because are you supposed to daven for this or daven for that? Or instead, just a shrai to Hashem Hatzilu, save us. They daven stop. And from here, you see what Amalek's whole goal was. It wasn't to beat the Jewish people, it was to show them your tefillah doesn't work. They said, look, you daven for the Kananim. They were hoping to come in, do a little, you know, botch job on the Jewish people and escape. And the Jews were like, I don't understand. We daven for the Kananim to, to not be successful against us. How did this happen? When in reality, they just daven for the wrong thing. And Amalek doesn't want us to understand that that's what's happening all the time, every single time we daven. And so they're trying to steal our firstborn prayers. Because the moment that a Jew knows and feels deep inside the wellsprings of their heart that their tefillahs are being listened to, then there's ain soft to how much they're willing to push, even though they know they've already done enough, because the goal is not to be answered, but the goal is to continue davening, not for the sake of getting to a place. Yishmael and, and, and Esau, they go together. Esau says, you'll never get there, and Yishmael says, you've already gotten there. And the Jewish people say, we don't care. We just want to hug Hashem. And we can't do that because ain't no goof. 
And so the way we do that is we, we come to Hashem with tefillah and we say we want to wrap our minds and our hearts around Hashem. Bechol levaveinu, bechol ma'odeinu, bechol nafsheinu. We want to jump into Hashem's arms in the way that we, that we know that we can and that's only through tefillah. Yedayim yedei Esav, we'll leave hugging and hands for Esav. But the kol kol Yaakov is, is, the, is the voice that says that I know that I've done enough already and I know that I'll never do enough but neither of those are, are, are relevant because my real goal is to be connected to Hashem. And yet a Jew needs, needs to feel, needs some sort of stamp that tells him or her, Hashem is listening. There needs to be a point in a person's life where they feel it. On a klal level, on a klal level, the Jewish people were zochet to that on Torah. That's what the Ramah means when he's paskening, mi goy gadol, who is like this great nation that Hashem listens to them. It means that Purim is the beginning of the end of the redemption. Chazal say this. Batchila kima kima, that famous Yerushalmi that everyone quotes as the Ischalta de Geula. I don't want to say anything political. But the Ischalta de Geula is Purim. That's what the Gemara says there. The Ischalta de Geula is Purim. I was thinking in the car while I was driving here that the Arizal says that all of world history could be summed up in the name Adam. Adam has all of world history. Adam is Adam David Mashiach. Adam is Alf Dalad Mem, Adam David Mashiach. The truth is that there's a miloy of each of these names. Adam David Mashiach, Aleph is Aleph Lamed Pei, Dalit is Dalit Lamed Taf, Mem Mem. So we're not going to go into the other ones before, but I was thinking that Mem Mem, which is that Indian of Mashiach, there's a Mem on the outside and a Mem on the inside. So Mem Mem is actually is Mordechai in Mashiach. Because the whole Indian of Mordechai, Mordechai is the one who's Mispalel. Mashiach is the notion of Mesiach, to make other people daven, to bring Sicha, to bring conversation into people's mouths. And Mordechai is the beginning of this process. The Gemara says that why do we call, why did Esther write this thing, Ayala Sashachar? What's the Indian of Ayala? Ayala Sashachar means the morning star. That's the, 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 the Gemara about Tchila Kima Kima, but the, the Ayala, the, the, the deer, when it wants to come out of the forest, so the Chazal have a Medrash, they say the deer pokes its head out like this and it looks around to make sure there's no hunters, you know, or cars or whatever, and then it pulls back in because it needs to build up, you know, like the, and then it shoots out very fast after it checks to make sure that everything's okay. So Chazal say, that's the Purim story. The Geula poked its head out, looked around, and then pulled back in. And we're waiting for that moment to, it's been a long, like, uh, and in that moment, in that in-between moment, all of our collective breaths are, whole, are being held. Our breath is held, and Amalek is saying, it's not happening, it's not, I know you. But that first salvation of the Jewish people in this unbelievable way, which was done without the name of Hashem needing to be mentioned Bichlal. It was so clear that Hashem was listening. So now we come back to that earlier question that we had before from the Shem Yishmuel. Ben Yar, Ben Shemi, Ben Kish. If we're not going to go in the chronological order, so that if we tie in what Rav Hutner said before, I think it's very beautiful, it makes a lot of sense. He was Ben Yair, Sheheir Eneim Shal Yisrael He brought about a salvation, something tangible. And then the Jewish people saw the salvation and they realized all of a sudden all the dots connected and they realized all these tefillahs of Mordechai, Mordechai, this Messiah, this one who caused the Jewish people to rally lich, knos kola Yehudim, and to daven Hashem, they saw that the salvation was efficacious. They saw that it worked. And all of a sudden they realized, Ben Shimi, Hashem listened to our tefillahs. And the whole point of Purim is not that Hashem listened to our tefillos. That's what they realized. 
But Hikish al Dalse Shemayim is talking about not just Mordechai, what he did before. But that Mordechai created a movement of people who now have the confidence to go and to bang on the doors of heaven. Because they saw with their eyes that it worked. Hikish al Dalse Shemayim is not talking about Mordechai's tefillah alone. But it's talking about the fact that Mordechai gave the Jewish people a license from now on, as the Rambam writes, to know that that when the Jewish people are back against the wall, we have the koach of tefillah, and we know that Hashem is listening, and we know that with the koach of tefillah, Hashem will do what He needs to do, and that's all that matters. There's no such thing as we did too much already, or we'll never do it. If we're doing it, we're doing it. If we're davening, then it's happening. It happened already. So we return to the, as we're closing up here, we return to the Gemara Shabbos. Ein mazel Yisrael, there's no mazel to the Jewish people. And we asked, but the Gemara in Taina says that if a person has a court case, they should try to push it off to Adar because bar yamazle. Bar yamazle. So Rashi writes, you know why ein mazel Yisrael? Same Gemara, Dav Kufnun Vav. Rashi says, Ein mazal Yisrael. Because al yedei tefilasan umaisim tovim nishapech letov. Because through their tefillah and through their tztaka, mishana es hamazal. So Rashi says, so what do we mean? Ein mazal Yisrael doesn't mean that there's no ma, I mean, there's ma, mazal is something in the world. That's like saying there's no anything bad. I mean, it's, it's, it's a koach in the world. Ein mazal Yisrael. The Jewish people have mazal. Mazal is something that exists. But they're not subject to mazal because al yedei tefilasan, they're able to be mashana et litov. <laughs> Unbelievable thing. I'll explain what that means in the last two minutes that we have here. What that means is that there is a mazel, and the mazel exists in the world, and a person is born with certain traits, like Rebchanina said, and Rebchanina is not wrong either. A person is born an ashir, an ani, a chacham, or a tam, a simple person, a, a, a sophisticated person. A person is born in such a way, you know, the Ibn Ezra used to complain. He had a, the Ibn Ezra was a, was a, Unbelievable. I mean, he doesn't need me to say anything bad. The Ibn Ezra was unbelievable. He, he, he was a poet. He was a terrible businessman. So he wrote in his own terrible businessman. And he used to write poems. Uh, and one of the poems is about how bad he is at business. So the Ibn Ezra said, the Ibn Ezra said, if I would go into burial shrouds as like a business, people would stop dying. And if I would go, and he goes, this is the whole poem. It goes like this. If I would go into investing in candles, the sun would never set. And he goes like through a whole bunch of different things. And the truth is that we, we know intuitively it's true that people ain't mazel in parnas, ain't mazel in this, ain't mazel in that. Mazel is something that exists. But the Jewish people have something which opens the gate that where that mazel is there blocking and saying, you're not shaykh to this particular need. You're not shaykh to, 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 to understanding deeply a piece of, of Torah. You're not shaykh to having that job that you want. You're not shaykh to be happily married. You're not shaykh to have that child. You're not shaykh to whatever it is. That's the mazel. That's the cards that are on the table. But the Jewish people have something that goes beyond the mazel. 
And that's the koach of tefillah. That's the koach of Ein Mazli Yisrael, that Hashem took, what was the pasuk we said before? Hashem took Avram Avinu outside of his, outside of his itzterologia. That same thing that Amalek was battling the Jewish people with against the koach of tefillah. What it means that he took Avram Avinu outside of the itzterologia, outside of his, outside of his, his astrological signs is that he gave Avram Avinu the koch of tefillah. Avram was hikim tefillah shachras. He was the first person to establish tefillah shachras. And then Yitzchak came, and then Yaakov came, and then the Jewish people came, and they brought this idea of tefillah to the world. First time we find the word tefillah in the Torah is by Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu is the one who goes to, to fight against, against Esau with 318 men. Begematra siach. That, that Mashiach, that siach. That's, that's the gift that Avram Avinu brought to the world to show that the Jewish people can and are doing it. And so, al yidei mazel meshana letov, we can change everything for good. The month of Adar, bari mazle, means that in the month of Adar, where we saw with our own eyes that ben Yari, ben shimi, ben kish, where we saw migoy gadol, who is great like the nation of the Jewish people, that when Hashem calls to us, when we call to Hashem, excuse me, He listens to us, that means that Adar has a Baryam Mazle for Yisrael because the Mazel of the Jewish people is Tefillah. That is the Mazel of the Jewish people. The strength of the Jewish people in Tefillah, in Adar, because Adar is the time when this first happened, is Baryam Mazle. Or as Rav Tzadok explained it, Ein Mazel Yisrael means Ayin Mazel Yisrael. Being Mavato oneself in Tefillah and running into Hashem's arm, Ayin is the Mazel of the Jewish people. And the Mazel of the Jewish people, which is Tefillah, is strong in Adar, because in Adar is when we saw the firstborn tefillah, when we saw collectively that Hashem was answering the, the tefillahs of the Jewish people, ben Yar, ben Shimi, ben Kish. I've overstayed my time, but I want to end with a story. Kedark and Shell. Speakers. Sorry about the Ribnitzer. An unbelievable story. The Ribnitzer was a topic. I, I met people who met the Rebbe I never, never, I don't even know exactly when he passed away. I'm not sure if I was alive when he was alive. An old uh, country Jew who used to walk around in the old country with an axe so that he could go to the mikvah whenever he needed to break the ice. Then he came to America. The Rebbe used to daven very late. Kedar Kedshel Sam Tzadikim. Shalom Kederach the Bnei Saschar who wrote at length about why this is not so simple. But for tzaddikim, tzaddikim know how to do it. It's not the sugi right now. He used to daven very late. But he was very makhbit to daven with a minion, which is kind of hard. You know, if you're a rebbe, like, you daven late, so like, you daven late. But he was very makhbit to daven with a minion. I was thinking maybe the reason he liked to daven very late is because he wanted to catch all those people who hadn't daven yet and like bring them in for the, you know, the last minion. People asif kolamachanos. The Rebbe had a gabai who was responsible to like, walk around the streets and collect Jews who hadn't davened yet to make a minion for the Rebbe because he was very makbid that it had to be 10 people who hadn't davened yet. 10 people who hadn't davened yet. So the gabai is walking around the streets and he's trying to find people and he finds a, a number of people and he's at nine people and he needs that 10th man. And he's walking up and down the street, he's calling out, you know, a minion, anybody davening? And all of a sudden he sees a guy who's got the back of his truck opened up and he's unloading some things on the truck and he just gets this feeling, you know, like... And he goes over to the guy, he's got like a hat on, you know, 
and he's unloading all this stuff onto one of these wheelie carts. And he says to the guy, I'm sorry to bother you, are you Jewish? And the guy goes, yeah, I'm Jewish. And he goes, wow, this is great. He said, there's a, there's a very saintly rabbi, you know, down the block, who he's trying to, he wants to have a, you know, a, a prayer service and we need a, a tenth person. And the guy says, oh, he wants to daven? There's someone who wants, he wants to daven? And he's like, oh, oh like, okay, you, you, you know what's going on, okay. He's like, he's like did you daven yet today by any chance? Did you, did you pray yet today? So he said, he said um, no, I didn't, I didn't daven today. You know, the guy was like in between worlds, let's say. I didn't daven yet today. So he said, would you help us? So he said, let me just drop this off quickly and I'll, I'll be, my next delivery is not for like another hour. You know, yeah, I'd be happy to come. So he, he runs inside the building, drops off the boxes, comes back out, shoves the wheelie cart back inside, lifts up the bottom of the, of the truck. Underneath there's like a little floorboard. He like lifts up a thing and he pulls out a talisman tefillin. Unbelievable. Pulls out a talisman tefillin. So they're off. They go to the base medrash. They come inside of the base medrash. And he comes inside and he's starting to settle himself down. And just then the ribbonizer walks out from the back room. And they have 10 people. And the ribbonizer looks at the gabai and he looks at the guy and he says, he can't be here. Tell him to leave. Hot under the collar, you know? So the, so the gabai looks at him and says, and the guy looks at the rebbe and he, did I do something wrong? He said, he said no, no, you davened already. You can't be here. You have to leave. So the guy sheepishly kind of like puts his talus back in the bag and he starts turning towards the door and he, he, he leaves and he gets like 20 steps outside of the thing and the Gaba is running after him. After. He's like, he said, I don't understand what happened. You told me that you didn't daven. So he said, I didn't daven. He said, I woke up in the morning. He said, I was late for a delivery. I had my talisman filling in the back of the truck. I wrapped them on. I mumbled a few words. I wrapped it off. And I, you know. So the Gaba said, whoa, the, the, look at the Rebbe. He has Ruch HaKodesh. You know, he was able to see. He could see that you davened. And the guy said, he said, you're missing the whole point. The guy was like smiling from ear to ear. He said, you're missing the whole point of the story. So this fellow said, he said, here I was. He said, this is the best day of my life. He said, this happens to me from time to time. He said, you know, like I'm trying, but like, you know, things aren't easy. And my tefillahs are, are sometimes like, they're not tefillahs. I didn't daven. I'm not daven. And I, I feel like I didn't daven. And the ribbonister said to me, I can't be part of his minion because I did it already. Not in the way of Yishmael, you did it already. Like, next time, do it better. Next time, do it better. Next time, do it stronger. Next time, don't wrap it on, wrap it off. But what the Rebbe was saying to me, what the Rebbe was saying to me is, your tefillahs are effective. There's someone who's listening. And so you don't need to do this again, like, like right now, in this way. Do it better for the next time. But recognize that your tefillahs are, are being heard. Hashem is, is inclining his ear to your voice. So Hashem should help us that our Torah learning this evening, people usually start with this, but our Torah learning this evening should be Le'ile Nishmas, Moshe Yehuda ben Meir Eliyahu. And we should be zocha to know that all of our tefillahs are being eskabel on, on Shemayim. Hashem is listening to every single tefillah and to know that we're loved, to know that we're part of a nation that's Migoy Gadol, who is as great as this nation. And when we turn to Hashem, we're doing it already before we even get the answer back. The answer is, we're running to Hashem, we're throwing ourselves into His arms, that means that we did it already. We should be zochet to know it.